Amen. It's always good to be here in the house of the Lord. I hope everyone's had a, a great week. I know we've had a, a wonderful week and just uh, just been blessed by, by so much. I promise you that. But anyhow, let's uh, let's go into a time of uh, a prayer. And does, does anyone have any one that will lift up this week uh, in the prayer? Remember Jess this morning, she just swept the other place. Remember Jess. There's there's several. It's been been a little sick, and I know it's Royce is he's he's recovering. He's a lot better than he was. So My brother in law he is back in the hospital. Remember your brother in law. Dr. Smith and a team are headed to Nicaragua. They were supposed to have left yesterday and a lot of travel issues and uh they should leave today for Miami, so just remember that, too. Definitely remember this. It's a medical mission. Medical mission. Our nursing home folks. But... You go. Remember the ones in the nursing home. Now, Robert, I want to ask specifically for Anita Pass. Uh, she was at our house yesterday, and she can't even better get around. She's hurt herself, and it's bad. Just real, real bad with her back. So pray that she gets some answers from her MRI and they'll be able to do it is the uh, Christmas season, you know, we have, in, in this time of the year, you know, you know, it's supposed to be a joyous time, but you know, some, it, sometimes in some situations, some people's homes and stuff, it's a very depressing time. Yes. And uh, it can bring some folks down, but you know, those, we need to pray for those, and you know, the ones that we've lost our loved ones here recently, like Sister, you know, Sister Kathy, and you know, it's, and, you know, it's just a hard time during this time of the year, you know. But let's just lift those up. Let's do this. Let's come to the altar. And we all have someone that we can pray for. Sure. 
well, I have someone can pray for. Let's do this. Let's come to the altar and pray. Then after we pray, we'll, we'll have our sons go.
couple questions get started. Who's finished with their Christmas shopping? <laughs> Way to go. See there? Hey. Who hadn't even started? <laughs> okay. Just checking. Good to see you. It feels awesome. It does. Uh, you're encouraging the rest of us, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. It's good to see everybody that's back this morning. Anyone a word before we get started? And Michael, I think our decorators have done a pretty Well, haven't they, though? Now pat yourself on the back. I worked myself silly putting it up. I know you did. I know you did. Let's remember that when he gets up to preach now. Yeah. The eighth chapter of Romans is probably, we just finished, probably one of the easiest chapters in the world to teach. There's so much good. And then Paul just throws us a curveball with a ninth chapter. Uh, I'm going to tell you up front, I do not have all the answers in this ninth chapter. We'll just take it verse by verse. Um, but we're, we are going to lean on precedent that's in the Old Testament about this. And Paul's going to deal specifically with Israelites, which we know Paul was an Israelite. Yes, he had Roman citizenship, but he was an Israelite. And in verse 9, he's, he's going to talk about uh, his feelings for Israel, and then he gets into true and false Israelites, and he gets into, into what we'd call the chosen ones. And that's where it starts getting sticky, but we'll, we'll waddle through it, okay? Ninth chapter of the book of Romans. And Paul begins like this. He says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. It hurt him all the time. And you think about the statement he made. I could that I, if I could trade, if I could be cursed of Christ, if my brothers would come to Christ. That's a pretty stout statement. The love he had for his, his family, his natural family. And he's going to stay in verse 4 now. All the advantages, we, we bumped on this before, all the advantages that the, the children of Israel had. Verse 4, he said, Who are Israelites, to whom, number one, pertaineth the adoption, two, in the glory, number three, in the covenants, number four, in the giving of the law, number five, in the service of God, and number six, and the promises. He's saying all those advantages they had by being born an Israelite. And then he continues on, who are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. 
Amen. All these advantages that they had, yet they were Paul's, Paul's greatest thorn, his greatest adversary. It was very the children, the national children of Israel. They're the ones that caused you the most problems. But he had a love for them in his heart. Right. Are we convinced that? Yeah. I think he's pretty serious about saying it, isn't he? Now he's going to say something we've also bumped into before. What's a true and a false Israelite? Verse 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. It depends on how you define it. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. So just being born into the world to a Jewish family doesn't make you true Israel according to the scriptures. Your lineage is of Israelites descended from Abraham according to the flesh but that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about a, a specific group of the nation of Israel. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now what was so great about Isaac? He's the seed of promise. He was the seed of promise. <coughs> Faith. Faith. That's what separates someone being Israel of the flesh and true Israel in God's eyes is faith. And what did the Israelites of faith look for in the Old Testament? Christ to come. They looked forward just like we look back that He came. Yeah. Mark, was, he, was He too not addressing the, the descendants of Abraham that was not Sarah's, his one son from Sarah. I mean, he had children from not only Ishmael, but from other handmaids or mm -hmm. something. Uh, can I answer that? Yes, sir. I mean, along with what Marilyn's saying, the, the seed from Isaac is the only one he's talking about. Right. Not any of the others. Right. But uh, so, but was he talking, who was he talking to here? Were there... And I know there was the seed of Ishmael there, but what about the others? Did they try to, did they say that they were part of Israel? That's what I'm trying to say. Well, did they, those people they try were to saying say they were justified by the law, and this is his way. Well, I don't want to get my Oh, you go right ahead. Trust me. I'll take all the help I can get this morning. <laughs> but he's saying just because you're born of Abraham doesn't cut it. Mm -mm. There's got to be faith. Just like there was faith that I... Just like there was faith in Isaac's birth, there has to be faith in an Israelite to be a true Israelite. Just because you're... What's that called? Ancestry thing? Just because it runs back to Abraham? That's not good enough. It's not good enough.
Verse 8, that is, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Yeah, not, only, not just the promise of Isaac, but the promise of Christ. So, now we get to reading on in Revelations. That helps us define what John's trying to tell us when he's talking about Israel. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people get in the ditch in Revelations because they want to look at Israel as being the Israel of the flesh whose lineage goes back to Abraham instead of looking at what Paul, how Paul defines Israel. So anytime you're reading in Revelations, keep that in mind, the definition of true Israel. But this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. But what was the really big promise in the Old Testament? That Christ would come. Yeah, Christ would come. That's, this, is, this is a promise in similitude of the promise of Christ. Yeah. And I think just as Abraham believed Isaac would come in faith, the Jewish person at that time and all the way up to Christ had to believe Christ was coming. Okay? Are we all good on that? So far, so good. All right. Now it starts getting sticky, okay? I'll, I'll tell you that right now. But, and he's going to further go into this. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children not being yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now we know the story, how that when Rebekah was uh, expecting these two, tw these two children, they fought within her womb. And when, when they were born, if I'm not mistaken, Jacob was holding Esau's heel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And traditionally in the Old Testament, the oldest male had all the birthrights and everything else. Right? But here, Christ, God told them that the younger would be the one that ruled which is totally opposite. But, but the point Paul's making here is this was told before they were ever born. Paul says neither one had done good, neither one had done bad. But yet God was saying how this was going to turn out. Now, we can rationalize that in, in several ways, but I guess the most prominent one I can think of is God knows future. Sure. He knows how this is going to turn out. Yeah. Now, we could go into left field and say these two boys were predestinated how they were going to be, couldn't we? We can get in the ditch real quick with this if we're not careful. 
if he was talking spiritual with Israel, and he's still talking spiritual here, that the flesh came first, the mm -hmm. spirit came second. Yes. And so, and really, it's not. If you keep with that vein of thought, it's, it's not. Yes. Hard. Yeah, because Esau was was a hunter, was was a not a wild man, but an outdoorsman, mm -hmm. and Jacob was the more at home. Gentle of the two. Well, he was a little sneaky. Yeah. But let's don't let's don't get in the ditch here of predestination. We what the, we've already settled that last week, right? Yeah. But Christ knows. But he's it, Pam hit it right on the head. He's he's again showing the plan that was preordained and how that faith was the important part. And it didn't matter if you were first born or not. Or if you were in Abraham's bloodline or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pam said something else too that, that we've got to remember. She said if you stay in the vein of spiritually thinking and not literal, uh, which this, of course, all is from the beginning of the chapter, but you, know, you go back to John where uh, Jesus said if, if you that you have to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood to um, have a part. Yeah, have a part. So obviously that, that was not literal. It, it was spiritual. Sure. And there's, we have to remember that when we're studying. Yeah. And just as Esau, by the book, would have been the one doing the reigning and Jacob doing the serving, that didn't count in spiritual matters. Just like because if you were born of Abraham, you weren't guaranteed to be a true Israelite. Everybody good on that? Are we okay on that? Sometimes I think, Brother Michael, it blows our mind to realize that, that God, being who He is, does know all these things in advance. And I, I still believe that we're free moral agents to choose what we're going what we're going to do in life is whether we're going to accept the Lord or turn him down. But I believe with all my heart that He knows that. He knew that before I was ever conceived. And and that's what um, and, and that's where a lot of people get um, debating about predestination and all. I believe it's His will that none should perish, but all come to repent. If God had His way. If he had his way, every child yes. that was born would come and to believe. knowledge and believe in Christ. I believe that. But Steve, I'll say this, that having had this debate with people that believe differently, uh, what they would respond to you is, if God had it his way, they'd say, and you mean my God's not having it his way? <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, it, it's really, uh, to me, it's really hard for me to harmonize the freedom of man and election except for one thing. That's my own personal experience. And nobody, nobody can, can argue or take issue with what your own personal experience is. And, and if, if what we believe, the reason I know it, that I in my heart to just right because the work Christ did in me in drawing me yes. to him and me knowing 
that I needed to accept that. Sure. So that's my own experience, and and, and nobody can take that away from sure. you. You know, even though you may have a little trouble harmonizing or, or mm -hmm. working through this, my own experience is what lets me know what's the truth. Yeah. I think if I ignore him, he'll explode. Go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, I, I, I would, because I'm simple. I mean, it's, it's not hard for me to, to reconcile this. But it is hard for us as our, by nature to reconcile That's it because right. we don't have any other concept of time except that we live in it. And mm -hmm. we're subject to it. That's a depth of our understanding is time. Uh, just like length, space, and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at God who created time and is not subject to it, then you can understand how he knows what's happening in the future because past and future is the same is, is, is the same with God. Yeah. He knows it. And what Paul Why would he have created free will had it not been for his glory? You, you know what I mean? What, we would what be, glory would he receive if we were all just robots. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I one of our articles of faith says one of the the eternal purpose of God is election. For us as free moral agents to choose to, to follow him. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's not going to still give them the opportunity. He knows what they're going to do. You know, if we have children, Lord of mercy, I've said stuff to my kids, no, it couldn't well. What, Jess is the hard headedest child, and I'd say that if she was sitting here next to me. But I still give the advice and give the opportunity. Even though I know good and well what she's going to do. You know, God, if I do that for my child, what more will God do for us, all his children? He, he still gives the opportunity, even though he knows what It goes back to what Brother Steve said. Um, God's plan was from the very beginning. And that's how he knew. I mean, he knew from the very beginning uh, because he's not subject to time as we are. But uh, there's a lyric in the song that I like, and it said, uh, uh, you were writing the pages before I had a name and before I needed grace. Thank God the plan was already there when I came to the point where I needed it. I think the word in John 3.16 is whosoever. whosoever. I believe that's the, plan, the, the word he used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whosoever. Whosoever. Yeah. All right. Now, verse 14, Paul asks a great question. He says, what shall we say then? And if I could use my wife's most favorite unterm, God's not fair. <laughs> That's not fair. Some people think so. Yeah. For he saith to Moses in verse 15, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on him whom, compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So first thing we can take from that is it's not us. 
We don't deserve anything. We're born sinful flesh. Yeah. We can want it. We can run for it. Well, I shouldn't say we can want it. We can't make it happen. We can't run and catch it. It's mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. And other instances in the Bible where God raises up a nation for a purpose. I think of the Babylonians. Yeah. Therefore, he hath, therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why does he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Going back to what Brother Chris yeah. said. Yeah, he's going back to predestination. And, and before we go any further on this, I, I want to chase a rabbit for just a minute, if I could, to, to preface us for this. I want to go back to the book of Job. Okay? We know... Uh, let me get over there. A couple things I want to read specifically. The Bible says that Job was a perfect and upright man. He was, the, uh, he was the greatest of all the men of the East. And if you get looking at what he had, he had a bunch. But he was living, as we would say today, right at the foot of the cross. Amen. Yeah. And then one day, there came a messenger and said the Sabaeans slew the servants let me see. Took away all his oxen and asses and slew all his servants. While he was standing there, another one came in and said, Fire fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants. And another one came in and said, The Chaldeans took all your camels and slayed the servants. Then another one came in and said, A great wind came and blew down the house and all your children are dead. One, and they're, at the end, they're all four standing there by each other. And I've heard it said, why did all this happen? Well, it was a bet between God and Satan. You, have you heard that? It was a challenge God made to Satan. And you think about Job's condition here. He lost all his family. And all his family was innocent in this. Boy, it makes you want to say what? As we study through this, it says Job never sinned with his mouth. But what did Job long for? Not necessarily his family back. Not necessarily his... Huh? He wanted an audience with God. He wanted to ask why. He, wanted to un he wasn't questioning God, but he wanted to understand. Right? You agree with that? It's just an audience with God. That's all he ever asked for. I think verse, let me find it, chapter 10. Uh, yeah, where is it?
Yeah, he says in chapter 10, My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of the, my soul. I will say unto God, Do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Explain it to me, God. Why all this? I still trust you. I still follow you, but why? And you jump on over in verse 38, and God finally answers him. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins now like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thou of, if thou knowest, or hast stretchest the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? What's he saying to Job? Where were you? What's he really saying? What right do you have that? Exactly. Exactly. And that's where this gets a little tough. But he says, you know, creation, you're going to ask of the Creator why? When, when our thoughts are so far below His thoughts, He never gave Job an answer. Oh. Um. You know, there's a place in Paul's writing where um, he, and I've hunted it, but uh, I can't, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, so, um, but there was a, uh, an issue come up between uh, two parties that, you know, they were wondering, they were saying it, this isn't fair. And Paul's response is, who am I to say what, the way God does things? Um, you know, it's, it's at his good pleasure yeah. that he does things. And now let me give you Job's final response to after God had asked him a whole bunch of questions that he had no answer for. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that I understand not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Job came to the realization if God had told him he couldn't have grasped it and that's where we have to have faith that God, God's plan is God's business and, and there's, there's all kind of questions in life why did this have to happen? Why did this have to happen? But as the little ant is to us, we are to God if he give us an answer we couldn't understand it yeah. That, that's like Robbie is a Robbie's a civil engineer and he said I can explain it to you but I can't make you understand it. <laughs> he just showing out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Part of what Joe went through was for us. Yeah. 
No, there's no way Job, Job could grasp what God's doing. Yeah, or all the the outcomes of it, or yeah. God has the long view, and when we think of the long view, we, we think maybe 30 years. Yeah. That's not a drop in the bucket. No, no, no. And yes, the hard part of that is it belittles us, doesn't it? We don't like that. But it, I believe somewhere he said his ways are far above our ways. His thoughts are far above our thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Now it takes grace not to say why. I'm not going to stand here and tell you it doesn't. Yeah. We see things every day that we want to say why. Yeah. But what we have to remember, he's got it all right here. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And he doesn't owe us an explanation. That's right. yeah. yeah. There are things that will happen in our lives we will never understand. We think we all got it all figured out. Yeah. We're just wrong. Yeah. So we might as well just get over it. We don't have any of the answers except one, Christ. That's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was given a conviction on a thinking eternally about life. Um, and you brought up Job. And Job had was given back everything doubled. All of, all of his camels and cattle and, and you know servants and stuff. They were they were given double. But the thing he wasn't given double was his children. Because they were already in heaven. And um, they he did get the same number back on earth, but there was no reason to double them because their spirit was already in heaven. And, and that helped me so much to think of this life not as being to help it helped me to think of life as in it as eternal just in a different form so now we think you know if man's this high and God's into the heavens but yet we're the apple of his eye. We're the apple of God's eye. How undeserving. Yeah. But how wonderful. But how wonderful. Yeah. He so loved us that he gave the best he had for us. Little bitty man. Yeah. Little bitty man. And as Marilyn said, we, we and as several talked about, we live in constraints of time. Our lifetime is referred to as just a, a, a vapor on the window compared to eternity. Yeah. 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 I believe Paul said last chapter, what did he say? I'm persuaded that my sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that's coming. Yeah. 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 You know what else here? I want to make sure we're good here. 
Yes, sir. Uh, one thing on predestination, there, there is a major denomination that one of their doctrines is predestination. Mm -hmm. And uh, the person hit me on predestination, I struggled with this. Why would God predestine some to be saved and others not mm -hmm. to be saved? If you look back in chapter 8 of Romans in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Verse 29 says, For whom He did foreknow. He's talking about the ones who would be saved. He also did predestinate them to be conformed to the image of His Son. Mm -hmm. That's what predestination mm -hmm. is about. If you, if God knows you're going to be saved, He predestines you to be conformed to the image of the Son. No wonder the writer in the Bible said, Who is man that God would be mindful of him? Yeah. Who is little man that God would be mindful of him? Thank you, Brother John. Anyone else? Michael, that, uh, when Don and I got married, his family was primitive babies. Mm -hmm. And there's two types of primitive mm -hmm. And uh, God was our preacher. And I, I had a problem with why would God predestinate some people mm -hmm. to go to heaven and other people no. And uh, he said, the predestination I see God knows what man's going to do. He knows they have a choice. He said, God gives us free mind to choose him. And if we don't choose him, that's not his doing. That's our doing. He said, he gives me enough sense not to run red light and get healed. And we're supposed to use a common sense and apply it to our lives and to what God has done for us. So that helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. He said that. There are the hard shell babies that yeah. leave otherwise. Mm -hmm. There are people predestined. The yeah. simple way, you know, I told you I'm simple. simple way is that the plan was is predestined from the very beginning. Um, but whosoever will is exactly that. Whosoever will. Now Paul's going to go in for a little further with this, and I think we'll about have waddled through it. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why does he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who are thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy, which He had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom He hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles? And He saith also in uh, Hosea, I will call them my people, which are not my people, 
and her beloved, which was not beloved. So how is he wrapping this up? We, have, we really have no right to say why. We really don't. And as I said before, that kind of belittles our spirit, and we don't like that, but that's the way it is. Yeah. Oh, if... I'll, I'll use this example again. Oh, if the Christians had just been able to have knocked out Saul and got rid of him, then what a great day that would have been, right? Yeah. Look, till he was converted to and became Paul. Yeah. See... The, the, the Israelites would have looked at this little span of time and said, we got to get rid of Saul. They could not see this span of time. Brother Chris. Brother Michael, I'd just like to reiterate something I said earlier. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you ever have a sit-down discussion with somebody that's well-versed and, and they really believe it the other way, uh, you, you can't you can't present a convincing argument they will accept. And, but, but what nobody can argue with is your personal experience. Mm -hmm. And if you want to shut down somebody in a, in a nice way that you know, differs on this point, and you just share with them, but my personal experience was this, mm -hmm. you can't argue with it. You know what? And, and that it just the same thing just the what you just brought up uh, was about Saul when he was on the road to Damascus he had an encounter with God mm -hmm. and so uh, that was a great point I just want to take that just a little bit further and so that your personal experience is something nobody can take issue with or and most of the time when Paul got in a real tight, what did he do? Yeah. He told about his personal experience. Right. This is what happened to me. That's, right. that, that's what Paul was talking about when he said a vessel of wrath and a vessel of honor. Um, a vessel of wrath is someone who doesn't believe and is not going to believe. They're, they're, they're hardened to it. God knew they would be that way from the very beginning. He didn't make them that way. He just let them knew they were going to be that way and used them to his glory. Same way like Brother Chris telling his testimony. Brother Chris, you're a vessel of honor. And there's no denying and nobody that no vessel of dishonor can understand what a vessel of honor is. That's right. Anyone else? It's not an easy lesson. Don't, don't, it's, I struggle with it this way. To. So ultimately it's wrong to ask why. Yeah. Well, just don't expect an answer. Yeah, just don't, ex there you go, good. Yeah, just don't expect an answer. I, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like we probably all get into those situations. Well, sure we do. When it rains, it pours. Yes, yes. Yes. Why are you trying to show me? Why mm -hmm. am I going through this? Yeah, yeah. That's like a lot of folks will take the word of God and think that they can twist God's arm with it. Mm -hmm. God, you promised this, so I expected it. My goodness. Lord, help us. What's your position? Yeah. yeah. We ought to all be on shouting ground that when the Satan was going to and fro up and down the earth and um, 
God, God asked Satan, he said, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him? And we ought to be shouting rooftop off that God didn't say, have you considered one of us? Yes, but you can also look at that. God was proud of Job. Sure he was. He was bragging on him. He was bragging on him to Satan. And God knew that everything that the world looked at that Job on was temporal. Wasn't important. Oh, well, I appreciate everybody's help this morning. We waddled through that, and oh, I can't wait to get to the end of the chapter. Oh, you're teaching that, and I tell you, <laughs> appreciate it. Really do appreciate everybody's help this morning.